Good afternoon, and welcome to Open Air with Sherry Huber. Good afternoon, Ashwini. Ashwini, can you hear me? I cannot hear you. Well, sorry, Bob. I think I was double muted. Oh. I said good afternoon, and how good are afternoon. you? I'm good. Um, sorry, I have a cat that is doing her <laughs> thing. <laughs> All right. Cat I do have technology. A Cats and technology, <laughs> ever-present. Um, I have an announcement, unless you have something else you want to start with? No, that's perfect. Great. If you're already meditating in the morning or wish to start, enjoy the extra support of meditating with Sangha with virtual meditation groups. The 30-minute conference call meditation sessions happen seven days a week. For a complete schedule and for other practice opportunities, visit Living Compassion. .org. And if you'd like to get in the queue to talk with Ashwini today, press star six, then one to make gas show and get in the queue. And just a reminder to try and keep the conversation on one topic, please, in about five minutes is, is great. All right, Ashwini, I'm going to bring on our first caller here. First caller, you're now live on the air. Will you please introduce yourself? Hi, Ashwini and Bob. It's Renee in Oregon. Hey, Renee. Hi. Uh, Renee, before you launch, I just wanted to see if Bob uh, or you are hearing an echo of me on the call. I can hear myself, so. I am not. I don't know about. Okay, okay. I'll just, I'll just have an expanded awareness about that. One. Go ahead, Renee. I heard a little okay. one at the beginning, but it went away. All right. Go for yep. it, Renee. Okay, um, great. It's great to talk to you. Um, so I've just been really listening to the morning calls, and um, it really brought up for me what's also what's going on. The it's the same thing, um, just that whole process of undulation. And what I noticed is, what I've noticed is, like, when I'm in some suffering and I'm unconscious and then I wake up and, and bring awareness to it. Just the initial wake up is a lot of relief just from the suffering itself. Like the awareness just itself. Okay, oh, I'm in I'm in suffering, I'm in conditioning, I'm thinking, I'm solving, I'm whatever I'm doing. And then it's just like, oh, that's ego. That's ego too. You know, like there it is again. And recognizing it sometimes it seems like for the first time, like <laughs> like, oh, that's ego too, you know, and oh, I didn't know that was ego, you know, or something like that. And then, mm-hmm. and then I also noticed um, just a lot of compassion for the human being coming in, dropping in about being, being in suffering and hearing the self-hate and being a victim to it. Mm-hmm. So just, uh, yeah. just wanted to call in and talk about that because it's just so, um, it's just, I don't know the word. It's I don't, there's no better word than unconsciousness. Just being in unconsciousness and then being in suffering and and not knowing you're in it and then waking up and going, oh, I was in con- unconsciousness and I was suffering. <laughs> mm-hmm. And uh, yeah, yes, it's such a it's so, so you're looking at the 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 relief, right? Because when I'm in it, it just feels horrible, and mm-hmm. I don't yeah. and 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 there is that feeling I project 
that goes with unconsciousness when you don't know you're in it, there's still some weird sense of something is off, right? Because it doesn't mm-hmm. feel good. Mm-hmm. It doesn't feel that. So yes, we're unconscious, meaning that we're not aware we're in conditioned mind, but that doesn't mean that we're not aware of our unhappiness. Right. And it's almost like, I don't know what to do about this kind of place until we disidentify, which is what to do within quotes, what we do about it. And oh, okay, right. now it all makes sense, right? The belief is partly because we understand what's going on, which is, oh, aha, I was just in a yeah. process of yeah. suffering. So the, the relief is twofold in that sense, right? One is that I've dropped out of the conversation. I've disidentified. I'm in awareness, mm-hmm. and it's, that's always a happier place to be. And then right, that, right. That, that experience of knowing, um, oh, I'm no longer suffering because I'm not in conditioned mind. So it's twofold. Aha. Right. And then if, if we stay with that, then there's the ability to have that compassion for the person who gets stuck in the conversation with self-hate. Yes, yes, exactly. And And there's like... There's this other layer of it that that I find that I'm looking at um, that is about a voice telling me, "Wow, you're really unhappy." You know, like uh-huh. you're a really unhappy person. You know, and and um, it makes me laugh now when it's telling me that I'm not laughing, but <laughs> um, it makes me laugh now because. When I hear the radio on the radio show, all of you talking about if you're, you know, the thing I think Sherry said it yesterday morning. If you're unhappy, you're in conditioning, right? And so basically, conditioning is telling me I'm in conditioning. Mm-hmm. Well, it's you know, accusing you're you of not being the right person. Really, what it's accusing yeah. you of is is being the wrong person for spending so much time with it, right? And it's yeah. because we're such right. human beings, we fall for it and go, yeah. Well, and, you know, right, it's so funny because I was just looking at that for myself where uh, the, the, there's a, there is an awareness or an admission of how often the attention goes to unhappiness. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Because that's yeah. sort of yeah. what we're conditioned to. Even as a practitioner of awareness attempting to wake up and end suffering, it's a process struggle, right? They tend, it, we have to do it moment yeah. by moment yeah. by moment. And even if we're exactly. choosing to do it moment by moment by moment, in every moment, the odds are good that even if I want to choose it, I'm not choosing it, and therefore my experience is unhappiness. And so the, mm-hmm. that, that condemnation from the voice can be really hard to hear because in some ways, it's actually pointing to the truth. But yeah. what it's hoping, yeah. right? Because it's like the daily, yeah. it's the short recitation. If you're suffering, it's because you haven't suffered enough, right? And when you, when you, mm-hmm. Stop, mm-hmm. When you want to end suffering, you'll end suffering. Well, so to be able to take that with equanimity is an interesting, it's an interesting place in, in practice because that's true, that it has the ability to have my attention for every moment of my life. And for most of the, my, my life, it has actually succeeded in doing that, which, right. which right. is supposed to mean there's something wrong with me rather than, oh, wait a second, uh, that, it's still talking about, about the past. It is a voice in my head. 
it is pointing to something wrong and my in this moment i can still choose not to give it give to unhappiness because you know the way conditioning frames it unhappy up unhappiness is a state that you're in all the time and it translate that 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 translates that into you are an unhappy person but if we recontextualize it to attention is either on happiness or unhappiness then we can we sort of take the power away from the judgment and condemnation of what we're, what it's painting us to be as a person who is unhappy to okay in this moment am i choosing happiness or unhappiness and that my choice is always for happiness or unhappiness and that's what i'm striving for sometimes i'm successful sometimes i'm not but it doesn't make me an unhappy person the person in that is ego oh. not me my attention may be on happiness or unhappiness yeah. but that doesn't exactly. mean that i'm an unhappy person yeah yeah right and and that's what conditioning does is it's that uh label that finality of yes you know you, this is the end and it's the conclusion and you're just an unhappy you can person. never change it yeah yes yeah. and you've you you get the wonderful life yeah. that you could have been gloriously happy in every second such a privileged existence all the gener- everything that you've ever wanted you've nothing to complain uh, complain about and you you you've just been unhappy all all your life what what's wrong with you right right yeah, yeah so exactly. then we're just supposed so, to feel crushed by that right rather than with yeah, practice yeah. we we start to see the distinctions of wow i'm and this moment i'm listening to a voice telling me that i'm unhappy so in this moment i could redirect my attention i choose happiness yeah yeah well yeah and then there's that awareness again which is what you're just mentioning mm-hmm. now is the awareness of it is out of it you're out of it that's and right. that's right and so you know when i notice that and then where it goes to is um you're an unhappy person and you can't really say that because you've been practicing for so long that's right <laughs> yeah and when you say it right uh, right Renee when you say it yeah. we can have this conversation of there is no yeah. person there is no self the authenticity right, that right. is you is it has a core of yeah. i mean is is happiness so really if we're talking about the the true nature of who and what you are it's constantly happy <laughs> it is happiness itself so the the, yes. the premise of the conditioned voice is incorrect everybody is happiness that's what conscious compassionate awareness is so it's it's a it's it's like it is is an unhappy thing true absolutely 100% true egocentric karmic conditioning self hate is the process of suffering and unhappiness so when it states i'm an unhappy or an unhappy person it's talking about itself because the person within quotes which is the illusion of a self suffering from life is unhappy it's an absolute truth and that is what allows us to accept it right because we mm-hmm. have to pause a second become aware of a voice in my head telling me what is what it's telling me go to the is that so place and recontextualize what is true as a practice otherwise we'll just believe yep. it and go yeah I'm an unhappy person oh my god what do I have to do about that and oh god right. you know it doesn't matter how often I yeah. practice and what I do I might as well quit because I'm still unhappy. Yep. Yeah, yeah. Well, I have to say that um that I don't go there. 
So that is right. not something I do anymore. So I just that's try right. to practice. And that's right. Exactly. And so yeah. And the practice pops you right out of it because what you're what you're training yourself to do is to notice it because oftentimes it just goes underground, right? And the message is subliminal. Mm-hmm. I'm just feeling awful. Yeah. I'm just feel I'm an unhappy person. It's just a conclusion that I walk around with, which is why mm-hmm. when it's blatantly accusing me of it, I tend to believe it because it's what I've been conditioned to believe. But to bring awareness to it as an accusation that is meant to make me believe and quit and not quitting is exercising the choice for happiness, not for unhappiness, because I choose not to go with that voice. I choose practice, which is another way of saying I choose happiness. I choose not to go with conditioned mind, which is the only only unhappiness that exists. I choose happiness. Right, right. Right, and and it's so um, non unrelated to content, and that's what was talked about this week too. Like, I could be in the worst situation and be happy, or I could be in the best situation and be unhappy. Yes, like the content. I mean, of course, there's things that can happen to you that can hurt you, and yeah, of course, you feel the pain and all of that. But it is, it really is unrelated. Whenever I'm in suffering, the ego type of suffering to to the content of life, it is absolutely yeah. 100% true. It is because it's not it, it, as you said, happiness or unhappiness. If you look at it that way, you're in the in the world of opposites. Uh, happiness mm-hmm. is a quality opposed to unhappiness as a quality. I'm either, mm-hmm. uh, and it's very related to I got what I wanted, I didn't get what I want, or life is going the way I want, or yeah, life is not exactly. going the way I want. It's all circumstantial. Yeah. And so it is all content related. And so when you move into the realm of the unconditional, which is happiness with a capital H, then there's a very, very different um, definition for what that happiness is like because it is by definition unconditional. It's not based on circumstances or content. Right. Yep. Yep. So different than what, you know, I've been conditioned to believe. And so, um, but, but with practice, you know, you can, you can be in a different frame of mind with that and not be mm-hmm. in conditioned mind. Yep. Yes. Be present. It's, so, it's exactly yeah. what you're saying. We're, we're not conditioned, we're conditioned to have a feeling state, be happiness or it's almost like a mental state, right? And with practice, mm-hmm. we get mm-hmm. to experience the, the process place of happiness, which is so different from the content place of happiness. Right, exactly. Well, thank you. That was great. Thanks, Jimmy. Take care. You too. Thanks, Renee. And Ashwini, not so much in that conversation, but one of the things that jumped out to me was what you two were talking about and related to what we've looked about at a lot this year, which is the, the practice of just noticing it, you know, as a mm-hmm. practice, which to me really puts you in that mind of like, okay, well, there is something, you know, like I could be feeling bad, I could be in some conversation, but if I'm in the, if, if my regular daily practice is to be noticing conditioning, you know, that gives me a way to like, to kind of see, oh, there's something here that actually doesn't feel 
doesn't feel happy, doesn't feel joy, doesn't feel center. Mm -hmm. And I don't need to do anything about it except see that that's a process that's going on. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So the power, if if I'm tracking what you're saying, uh, right, Bob, the power of noticing, just noticing, and noticing conditioned mind is what develops the capability or the awareness of recognizing there's something off and then being able to have the choice to disidentify. And you don't have to do anything. It's just the noticing of the noticing enables for a different experience. Yeah, and, and as I've seen it for myself, that like the, one of the big pieces in that is it takes me out of the belief that I need to do something about it, right? I need to either feel bad, mm-hmm. sink into whatever condition causes me, or I need to fix it. I need to become the better person. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah, yeah, it takes you out of the doing, which is what conditioning is always hoping to. Once it has your attention, it is to compel you to go further into acting from it, through it, do what it says, (laughs) and get further into the suffering place. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. All right, and Ashwini, we're um, going to go on a break for a good news update, and then we'll come back and talk to more callers. Thanks, Bob. Welcome to Good News Updates with Living Compassion. I'm pleased to be joined this afternoon by Anne, who is here to speak with us about her experience of working with Sherry's recent blog, Change is Hard, But Suffering is Harder. Welcome, Anne. Hey, Jen. Hey. So I feel like that conversation that they just had really helped us (laughs) tee up this topic pretty beautifully. So maybe you could talk to us about, yeah, your experience of working with that article. Yeah, I'm I'm like, oh, yeah, yeah. Well, I don't really have anything else to say because they said it all. They kind of covered it. (laughs) Well, I will say the first thing I loved about this um, article was the title um, because, um, you know, change change is really hard. Suffering is harder because, you know, we've talked in the past about how all good books you can get in the title. Yes. You know, like, there's nothing wrong with you, a compassionate process yes. of going beyond self-hate, or be the person you want to find, or yes. the key, and the name of the key is willingness. You know, those Suffering kinds, is you know, optional. Suffering yeah. is yeah, optional. Exactly. You know, those things. Don't suffer, so, communicate. Oh, my yep. gosh, yes. So I saw this, and I just went, oh, my, that's another one of those. Because yep. it is so true. I mean, yeah. it just the title yep. in and of itself is just... I mean, we could liken it to exercise, right? I mean, exercise is hard, but not exercising really creates a lot more hardness. Exactly. Oh, that's a perfect analogy. Yeah. So there you are out running. Yeah, that's challenging, you know, at at any given point, you know. But it's a lot harder not to exercise. Yeah, what a good point. Yes. Um, Yes. what was I going to say? Oh, so last night as I was looking at this, I, I, I love the thing about um, there's always something to worry about, right? You know, there's yeah, always something yeah, to worry about. Totally. In fact, I've even, I'm sure you've had this experience too where something happens and you start worrying about something and you go, oh my gosh, I've never worried about this before. And this has kind of been there all my life. Why haven't I ever worried about this? Oh, that's so funny. I guess, there was, I guess the worry slot was empty. So conditioning just picked this one up and put it in the worry yes. slot. Yeah, like, like um, you know, when we're young, we don't really worry about aging because, you know, we're worried about, I don't know, getting into college or whatever the content is right. for that time right. for worry. But, um, yes. yeah. yeah. 
Yeah. So the con- the content to worry about is endless. Oh, yes, just like Sherry's there. And so can we, like they were just talking about, can we catch on to the process? Can we watch? Yeah. Can we yeah. see that we're, our job as awareness practitioners is to watch, oh, here's this process of worry. Oh, I'm, yeah. rather than believe the story about why yeah. we need to worry. Yes, yes, exactly. Yes, instead of believe this is the thing I now need to worry about, our job as awareness practitioners is to disidentify and to see that, oh, that's a process of worry, not get pulled into the content, the story around it. Yes, and it's so easy, if we're not paying attention, to get pulled into the story and think this is real. Yes, absolutely. In fact, I had this really fun image come to me last night which I've never had, and it's not like I've tried to solve this co I mean, to me, it's kind of like a koan, and I've never tried to solve it, but it's the story of, and I'm probably going to butcher it, but the story of the Buddha sitting when all the arrows are, are, are uh, what do you call, what's the verb there, flung, thrown, I don't know, thrown uh-huh. at him, uh-huh. um, and then they oh, yeah. turn, to, turn to flowers and fall at his feet. Mm, you know, yeah. that's that one, you know. Yeah. But, well, mm-hmm. but the image I got last night, it arose related to this article, is those arrows are being flung at all of us in the form of content. Here's, here's mm-hmm. something that you, mm-hmm. you know, in the form of here, here's something you need to suffer over. And, and the right. transformation into the flower that falls at our feet is the redirect of attention to the to process and and mm. and and watching the process rather than getting sucked wow. into the content. Wow, and that's and that's so I forget exactly how Sherry put it in the article, but that sort of constantly shooting us with the arrow of this problem, this problem, this problem, and that that shift of seeing that it's a process, not about the content the arrow becomes the flower because we realize that's an illusion. These are all these, quote, problems that are given to us. Now you have to solve this problem. Instead of staying there on the content level and trying to solve it, we see that that's an illusion. It's a process, and it turns into that flower. It's no longer something that can get us. Yes, and, and, and when we're gotten... <laughs> mm-hmm. I realize that's not the right way to say it, but you know what the correct English way to say it. But when we're got, when I'm gotten, what I what I end up believing is that somehow I'm doing it wrong or I'm the wrong person mm-hmm. because this mm-hmm. content needs to be solved, right? Which right. In, in, which is the whole point. There's the arrow. Exactly. Exactly. That is the whole point. That. Here, I'm going to give you this problem, and now you have to solve it. That's the one-two piece of it. Right. And if you were the right person, this problem wouldn't even exist, and you wouldn't have it in the first place. But since you do, it's a problem, and you need to fix it, and you probably can't because, you know, that whole whatever it is. Or, Or the fear. You know, it's all designed to get us to live in fear, and it turns to flowers when we realize, oh, my gosh, I don't have to believe any of that. I can, through a process of practicing awareness, um, to redirect my attention to here, now, love. Kind yeah. of condition, you know, the unconditional, yeah. however you want to label that. And, and it's 
was so clear, wasn't it, in the article, that piece of, you know, we're given this problem, this illusory problem, and then we're told we need to do something about it. Um, and generally, pretty quickly, also told we're not adequate to do anything about it. And so that piece of, yeah. well, we do know what to do. And what to do is to get out of the conversation with ego. Yeah, I love that that's, part. That, that's the thing to do. Well, and I, you know, this is like one of those um, articles where I could record it and listen to it every day, you know, 10 times a day going, okay, yes. Yeah, the only thing to do, the only thing to do, in quotes, is is to exit the conversation. And ex- what what to do, in quotes, to exit the conversation is to observe it, is to watch it, is to pay attention. Yeah. Oh, here's that yeah. conversation. Because yeah. then I'm not in it. I'm I'm observing it. That's right. Back to what I think it was Bob who was just saying after that conversation, that that theme of just noticing, that's our that's our key tool. That's how to get out of that. Do I have to do something to to change this illusory problem? And the just noticing is the thing that allows us to get out of the conversation. That can feel so compelling. It can feel tricky yeah. to get out of the conversation. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Well, that's why I felt like they, you know, they kind of covered it <laughs> before we even started. <laughs> they, yeah, they covered it. <laughs> exactly. They covered. Well, yeah. I just realized all, the whole conversation is designed to create fear, right? Which that's mm-hmm. you know to create ego, to create this separation, and um, mm-hmm. yeah. I just, yeah. It, to yeah. me, I just go to so much compassion for all of us that we're in this in this predicament. Yeah, absolutely. Well, and that's such a good point, Anne, because then that fear is the thing. So, you know, as awareness practitioners, we know what to do to get out of the conversation with ego. So as we begin to do that, then it's got to hit us with something that feels really, really real and very uncomfortable. So fear, right? That's the go-to. Well, but, right? Something terrible is going to happen. You can't just let this go. You can't just because what about, what about, what about? And so it really does become a restraint in religious observance that over and over and over, okay, yeah, this is hard, right? Going up against this yes. voice and learning the, self, the compassionate self-discipline of getting out of the conversation, it is hard, but it's way harder not to do it. It's way harder not to cultivate yes. that. Yes, because it's hard because when it says, oh, my God, you're going to die, I was like, what do you mean? You want me to just not pay attention to that and not do what I need to do, not to die? Well, yeah. Exactly. It all, it's so connected to me to the first, um, the first conversation with the first caller because I've been looking at this a lot too, how when Sherry said to ask yourself, the, are you happy? And if, if the answer is no, mm-hmm. then you're identified. And how difficult it is for us to know when we're identified. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. But I've been doing that all throughout the day. Am I happy? It's just a mm-hmm. check-in. You know, okay, what story am I believing? Mm-hmm. Am I believing a story right now? Look at the sun. Look mm-hmm. at the leaves. What, what's here mm-hmm. now? Um, I mean, it's just so true that we're, just, uh, at least yeah. in my experience, I'm so yeah. unaware when I'm believing one of those stories. Yeah. And, you know, that's so helpful, and putting, the, putting that together because, so that all-day check-in, am I happy? Am I happy? You yeah. know, and redirecting the attention to the sun, to the birds, to the feel of the air, of my, you know, the air on my yeah. skin. And that how easy, at least for me, the reason, so that's, that's pretty straightforward and actually can be quite simple and even easy. The only thing that makes it hard is that we're going to get pulled right back into a conversation where, am I yeah. happy? 
well, no, I don't really think you are, and you, why aren't you? And you're, it's because you're not practicing properly. And, <laughs> but if, if we realize, oh, okay, that's just the conversation. I yes. know what to do. Get out of that conversation. Wow, yeah, it's so true because, yeah, it's, well, are, you're not happy. Well, then you must be doing something wrong. And, and the mm-hmm. thing is, when I'm, when I'm in that moment of am I happy, look, okay, where, where are my feet on the ground? Take a deep breath. But this, um, this is the only moment I have to experience yeah. is right now. And, and how can I be as fully present in this moment as I possibly can be because this is my life. Oh, years ago, I, I re- you probably don't remember this. Years ago, I remember you saying um, you were only present, you weren't present for your chocolate cake. You're eating your chocolate cake and you didn't want conditioning to have your chocolate cake. I just thought right. of that right now. That was years ago. Remember? I don't know if you right. remember that. But, but that's the thing. It's like this, is, this moment right now is my life because the other story is, well, as soon as I feel X, then I can relax and enjoy my life. But I'm not feeling X right now, so I have to do whatever I need to do to get there, and then. Yep. Yeah. And all of that that you just described is the conversation that we're getting out of. Yes. And that that's the happy, right? Because, I mean, this is certainly true for me. As soon as we truly recognize the conversation and drop it, happy. Happy is what is. Yeah. Wow. Wow. As soon as we recognize the conversation and drop it, happy is what is. So, you know, for me, that practice just shows me how much I'm in a conversation. It's like, oh, my Lord, yeah, can I get here? Yep, yep. And that's where humility and a sense of humor comes in, right? Ooh, wow, that's pretty (laughs) – that's happening a lot. All right. Yeah, but what's our alternative? As the the title of the article says, change is really hard, suffering's harder. So we will keep at it. Harder. We will indeed. <laughs> indeed. And thank you, Anne, for being with us this afternoon oh, to talk about you. it. Thank you so much, Janet. It was fun. Very fun. It was fun. <laughs> Very happy. <laughs> okay. Thanks, Anne. Thank Take you. Care. Bye-bye. And, and Bob, we'll turn the show back over to you and Ashwini. Thank you, Jen. And thank you, Anne. And welcome back to Open Air. Love the conversation, Ashwini. Oh, it was so fun. Yeah, yeah. It just really points to what we, I guess, we've all been talking about. Is just you know, mm-hmm. the well, to me, it's like being willing to actually use the tools that are at my disposal through practice to get out of that conversation over and over and over again. Yeah, yeah, yeah. To really, really start to see it, you know, to to recognize it, the process of it, in its it's all its language. Uh, variations, especially the one that we fall for. I guess, oh, well, I'm looking to see if I'm happy. If I'm, if I'm told I'm not uh, happy and there's something wrong with me to recognize, oh, I'm in the conversation again, right? Just being able to name it and drop out of it, name it and drop out of it is the skill that we're practicing. That was, that was the fun part of, the, of, the, of, that, of that interchange. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. All right. And we have some more callers here, Ashwini. So I'm going to bring on the next caller. Next caller, you're now live on the air. Will you please introduce yourself? Hi, Ashwini. This is Donna from San Diego. How are you doing? Hi, Donna. How are you? I'm doing well. Uh, I just wanted to say that, uh, I mean, I spoke last week. If there's anyone else that, you know, is 
in dire need to share, I'm I'm able to to you know allow that. But uh, if not, I am happy to share the practice that's been going on. Mm-hmm. How about you do that? Okay, so I am just absolutely loving uh, this holy practice and uh, just finding how any of the Enneagrams uh, or the, uh, the practices with any of them leads to holy loving. There are like windows, portals that if you just stay with them, they, they keep opening and keep opening and keep opening. And uh, I'm really loving the way uh, I'm learning to experience the body, the vessel, because for me it was always um, something that I used to accomplish things. So it needed to even exercise was, you know, I would work the body and it had to produce some results. And uh, there was a lot of expectation placed on it. Oh, I'm getting emotional. And now it's the body as this most kind, loving friend that connects me with the moment, with the experience. Mm -hmm. Um, That is just so supportive and kind and generous and infinite and its ability to keep um, just showing how beautiful existence is in this moment and all that it requires is for me to receive the invitation to be there. And then I can feel that awareness that is just so aware of the miracle of that moment that never was, never will be in the simplest of things. And uh, it's um, this conversation where they were talking about, I don't want the ego to take my cake. And Mm -hmm. also (laughs) comes to... Yes, no, I was laughing. Exactly, appreciatively. Go ahead. Yeah, and and Ashley and uh, Sherry also mentioning, I don't want to miss out one moment. And that means like... uh, even when I'm sweeping, I don't want to miss that. That is still my life. That is mm-hmm. still me breathing and uh, just, and I, and I found I was cleaning the kitchen and, you know, just arranging things that I normally arrange. And there's always something that doesn't fit with the sponges. And I was so in the, in the experience of just the feeling, the water and the soap, that all of a sudden, Creativity dropped in, and I was able to arrange things in a way that fit like so the way that it make just uh, room for everything. And it's like, I, you know, I have this kitchen for 16 years and never figured that one, but because I was trying to figure it out with the brain, and I'm just mm-hmm. so in touch with how the body knows, even when I'm vacuuming, when one arm gets tired, the other one just steps in and, and takes over. And all these things of this wisdom that is so incredible in, in the body that knows when to say, okay, I need to go to sleep. And, um, and it feels, uh, I was thinking about the body as a conductor of an orchestra that, you know, 
knows when the strings need to come up or the 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 flute or it it, it just knows and mm-hmm. it, it enjoys that it enjoys all the different aspects of that very uh, symphony of life and uh, so anyways I'm just absolutely so grateful for this practice it's um mm-hmm. i wish well you're you having know, a I wonderful time right donna right i mean you're, yeah, have, you're enjoying it, your life and that to me is the point that you're you're making for all of us if we do this practice if we show up and do this practice what we we stop doing is having an intimate relationship with egocentric karmic conditioning sulfate and start having an intimate relationship with existence with the intelligence that animates all and it's delightful right right so when when i'm in that place of conditioned mind separation is my experience so the body is meant to it's it's a functional utilitarian interaction with everything the sponge is supposed to clean the body is supposed to take me from place to place the car is supposed to do that and that, that's not that place, that loving interaction that you're talking about because it's, everything has a purpose and it's not animated by, I don't know, divinity or God, the intelligence that animates. That's not our relationship with it. If I'm an ego, ego is all about separation and, the, and it's a functional interaction. We don't know things in their essence. But as soon as we start dropping out of that ego place, and recognizing the intelligence that animates everywhere, then love is, our, is how we relate to everything because everything is that, is that. The body is that, the, the sponge is that, the, the kitchen is that, the, sweet, the moment of sweeping is that. So when life lives life as love, it's a totally different experience. It's not a utilitarian, separate, functional mm-hmm. um, yeah. relationship. It's, it's, a, it's love. It's it's rich, it's textured, it's, as you said, it's playful, it's delightful. It's a completely different experience of life. We're, we're in love with life because we are, we are the love that is life, living life lovingly. Right, right. I remember years ago listening um, when you and Sherry would talk, oh, it's so fun, and I'm like, what are they talking about fun? <laughs> it, and now I get it. It's because even, well, you know, because it's always the possibility of, you know, going up to the head and, and, and getting snagged into the conversation, which happened last week for a little bit in, in an interaction with my husband. And I could feel it in my body how that felt. And it was so uncomfortable. And then it was like the body started wanting to connect with what was here. And then... You know, that loyal, absolutely loyal, trustworthy uh, breath that, you know, mm-hmm. stirs up awareness. It's like, and I was like, why would I ever want to, you know, not live here? And so even when I noticed that the ego wants to get into a conversation, I, I'm taking it as a, as a grateful reminder of where not to go. And it's kind of like the Verizon guy. Can you hear me now? Can you hear me now? And I'm like, no. <laughs> no. <laughs> yeah. Like, I yeah. hear you, but no, I'm not picking up the call. <laughs> and, yeah. Uh, yeah. That's brilliant. It, 
because it's, it's like, my goodness, I, it's such a gift every moment. And uh, as you know, you guys have mentioned, we don't know when this is ending. And so just to be the, to, to live without awareness of the preciousness of this moment and uh, everything that is still available and working. Mm-hmm. Yes. Yeah. Well, and what you're talking about is so important for us to recognize, right? That there's a trajectory in practice, and sometimes, you know, when we're first starting out, uh, we're struggling with noticing identification and, and redirecting our attention from identi- identification. But mm-hmm. as we practice, that skill grows, and our mastery grows, and as as that as that develops. We, we're more successful in being happy than being unhappy, right? Right. right yeah. And so that's what you're right. pointing to. So not to quit at not the, to the ever, place ever. Not to ever quit because it's a process. And again, we have these wonderful places of uh, of clarity and loving lovingness and loving life and kindness and ability to know we don't want to miss a, a moment. And there's also that awareness that you know, conditioning will come back. It it does. It, it will come back, and we know what to do mm-hmm. when it does. There's nothing wrong right. with it. It's just another place to practice, and we use it as a cue to redirect the attention. And for you, you're watching how your body can register that place, and from that awareness, you can practice doing what takes you out of the conversation into the moment. And, and it's why right. we keep saying it's a moment-by-moment practice, because we can mm-hmm. have this moment of happiness, this moment of happiness, this moment of happiness, this moment of happiness, and then conditioning roars in, and we have a moment of unhappiness, a moment of unhappiness, we're trying to redirect the attention, we can't. And so just that, that place of uh, being, as you said, grateful for having stayed with it, for, uh, for, for practicing with it, for knowing the deeply suffering place, and to know the, de- the deeply ecstatic place, and to also mm-hmm. know that if I oscillate between those two places, I know exactly how to get out of the suffering. That is really the gift. Yeah, yeah. There's always a way back home, for sure. There's, yes, that's it. Yeah. There's a way back home. And I know what home is. I, know, I, know right. I no longer believe that suffering is how it is. I know the, I know the experience of the alternative. Yeah, absolutely. Well, uh, thank you for this holy, gorgeous, beautiful, loving practice because it's, uh, I mean, I wake up so excited just to hear what the next, you know, call and the callers are going to say. And it's just like mm-hmm. this game we're all sharing and participating mm-hmm. in that is so loving and beautiful. So thank you mm-hmm. so much. Well, thank you for, for making it so. Thank you. Gasho. Bye-bye. Thank you, Donna. Ashwini, I'm going to bring on the next caller here. Next caller, you're now live on the air. Will you please introduce yourself? Yeah, hi. Um, this is Lauren back here in Calaveras County. Hi, Lauren. How are you? Um, what are you I'm, I'm doing um, pretty good overall, everything considering. Um, so I did take up some coaching with a monk around the, uh, you know, super difficult content of my husband dying. And I just, um, she said, I posed a question at the end of the 
the six weeks of guidance, and she said, suggested that I call and ask someone open air about the process mapping. Because at first, we did the process mapping. I mapped it, and then we went over it. But we never really went back to it. And it kind of gave me the feeling that, is it possible that recording and listening has left process mapping in its wake? Aha. Uh -huh. So, so are you saying that uh, because you record and listen, so you're trying to determine the difference between recording and listening, or, or whether process mapping is necessary if you're recording and listening? Yeah, that too. Definitely. Uh -huh. Yeah. And so, so I'm sorry, maybe I didn't understand where you were going. Can you rephrase or say it a different way in terms of what your question is? Okay. My question was um, that the first couple of sessions, we, I, the first one I learned to do the process map, then the second um, we discussed the process, process map, and then we moved to recording and listening for the majority of the sessions, and I just was wondering, um, uh, yeah, has is process mapping um, kind of moved to the side, and we're focusing on recording and listening? Uh huh. Well, no, I would say right, Lauren, that each has its place because oftentimes uh, the process map is a very specific kind of tool. And it is used mostly to assist us to um, get very, very clear about egocentric karmic conditioning self-hate. Because when I record from, say I'm record, doing a two-handed recording exercise, for example, I might be talking from a particular place in my, in my process, and the, the mentor responds and there's compassion. That's one, that's one tool set. The process map... Is, is assists really in a different way because what it gives me is the ability to become aware of um, when conditioning is going on for me around a particular process and how it, how, what it says and how I can recognize it and how I can develop awareness of it. And then, and then if you look at the process map, we ask certain questions around what are the beliefs and assumptions? What are the aspects of the personality? Where's the self-hate? What are the projections? It really assists me to understand the process of suffering more deeply. Yes, that, yeah? that I fully understand what you're saying. Um, we never went back with those, uh, those lenses to look at the process. Uh -huh. Mapping in well, uh huh. Now I now I understand what you're talking about, and I I think it's simply because that in the coaching curriculum there was a there's a specific uh, curriculum and specific set of tools that you you go through in order to that you're exposed to in order to work with a particular content. It absolutely doesn't mean that you can't go back to the process map and uh, with that same content. I, I mean, I I know people, and I've done this in my practice where. I keep my process map going around a process because I keep seeing things about it. Yes. And so, um, it, yes, I, uh, we use both those tools for very, very different processes. And sometimes when you really want to understand how conditioning gets you about something, 
mm-hmm. you, you're paying attention to how that happens, and that process mapping is a tool. And you can certainly record your process map if you wish to, because recording itself is so multifaceted in how we use it. it it's used to direct the attention. It is used to, um, in the two-handed recording, to assist us to move to compassion. It allows us to, uh, uh, you know, expand the awareness. I mean, there are so many ways in which we use the recorder, and there are so many ways in which we use the process map. So it's it's not either or, at all. Okay. All right. Um. Mm-hmm. I'm gonna um, uh, listen to this and um, and and look at what you've laid out as two separate processes. And um, if I have more difficulty, I'll call in or I'll uh, uh, email in. That's wonderful. And you've just you know given us an idea. Maybe we need to do a process mapping workshop. Right? I, we often I do that as part of retreats. And <laughs> <laughs> yeah, because it is a very, very powerful tool. It yeah. really is. That mm. would be great. I'd be, I'd be very interested to um, mm-hmm. yeah, blow that up. That would be great. All right. Thank you Wonderful. so much. Thank you for the question. Bye-bye. Thank you, Lauren. And Ashwini, I'm trying to get us on at least one more caller tonight. Next caller, you're now live on the air. Will you please introduce yourself? Oh, good evening. Hi, Bob. Hi, Ashwini. It's Todd calling from British Columbia. Hey, Todd. Hey. Todd. hey. <clears throat> so, uh, I was looking at Sherry coined this great phrase that I love: uh, the out- excuse me, the outrageous support that practice office offers, mm. and. <laughs> I was on a uh, reflective listening buddy support call this morning, and I was just struck by the depth of looking and inquiry and um, process and guidance that um, it just it, it, it overwhelmed me to tears that I have um, been a part of a practice that the support along the way has been, and I'll rephrase it, as Sherry said, has been outrageous and has allowed me to stay with practice, um, um, primarily because I take advantage of the support, but the support is offered so um, continuously and um, uh, and just... Um, well, I'm just going to end it there, and we'll go from there. <laughs> <laughs> yes, it's hard to say much more than that, right, Todd? I think, and I think I the think point that, that I would like to reinforce and underline is, is, two, is, is two things. Yes, the support is offered, and you take advantage of the support. Okay, right. right? Yes. Because, it, it, yeah. because otherwise, how do you feel supported if you don't, if you don't, if you don't take advantage of this, of course. <laughs> okay. Yeah, I know. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. And I um, think that that is, and if I may, right, Todd, I think that is the central part of it because there's a way in which all of what you're saying is true. Mm-hmm. It is outrageous the amount of support that practice office uh, that offers, and it is true that we have a sangha who takes advantage of the support, and in that, the space of that sangha, there is 
such depth of practice going on, such depth of looking going on, and there's a feeding off of that, right? Because what resonated yeah. for you was the depth. Because right. you, you, you've taken advantage, and you could go to those depths. And so yeah. it's this beautiful resonance, right? Those who mm-hmm. participate and uh, those who mm-hmm. participate and, and offer their practice, we all benefit from that. Yes, exactly. Yeah, yeah. Um, there were so many points this morning, but particularly what I loved, and that was re, re, um, kind of restated through the callers, was um, in this practice, the support that I see is offered mostly is that we are given an opportunity to not have to look to conditioned mind. <laughs> we have an opportunity to look to life, and that is through radio shows, that it's through guidance, that it's through, you know, e- emails to, to facilitators, that it's through, um, you know, um, uh, support calls. And, and that has just been so huge in my practice that I don't have to, because that we're, as Sherry has said, and you have said, Ashwini, we are so deeply conditioned to go up in our heads and look to condition mind for guidance, which has got us where we are without practice, right? Did I lose you? I think you did, but can you hear me now, Todd? I can hear you now. Yes, I said it's so beautiful. That is so beautifully stated because that is exactly the support that we're offered. No matter what the form of yeah. of the practice offering is, it is yeah. always offering us a, a, the option other than the suffering one, which is to go up to condition mind. <laughs> Yeah. So how about you look at it this way, and how about you look at it this yeah. way, and then how about you look at it this way, but always the looking from the, lo- the perspective of, un- of unconditional love. Yeah. So we were talking about it this morning about what would life look like if life was telling the story. Mm-hmm. I remember that. And yeah. it would be, yes, and that's what it would look like, right? Why don't yeah. you look at it this way? <laughs> and what would love do? And, uh, yeah. you know, who are you authentically? All of the questions that practice asks are the perspective, our life's perspective. Yeah. And because we can ask it for ourselves when we're identified, it it asks it for us or the way we say it, right? Practice holds our heart when we can, until we can. Yes. Yes. And, and what just, what just arose while you're saying that is um, I I just recently we did a Socratic email class and, and then followed up with a four week, uh, weekly, um, uh, uh, workshop on, on on a Sunday to process what we've seen, but um, just the support and the in the um, the response from the guide, yikes! Mm-hmm. Wow, I was just you mm-hmm. know I, I aspire to read every response and I, I I was able to, but just and someone had mentioned that it's, it's like Sherry had written another book. It felt like she had written a book yeah. in these responses, and just to um, again and again to see life speak unfettered and and uh, unconditionally and to just to clearly uh, assist that person to see what is ego and what is life and that's what it was for me i just got to see mm-hmm. over and over again oh that's that's egocentric comes in self hate oh yeah i've been in that or i may be in that mm-hmm. <laughs> and to see oh mm-hmm. this is life and and what and even in just my four responses because we have four assignments i just sherry or the guide kept offering these responses that were brought in such perspective and gave possibilities 
that I saw a condition that had really narrowed down my ability to see. That's right. That is like so blind, beautifully like, stated. Like blinders on a horse. You know, you want to go straight down the okay. track. <laughs> you can't look left, mm-hmm. you can't look right. And every response I got from the guide was, oh, how about this possibility? Or how about looking there instead of here? Because here is actually where ego wants you to look. Mm-hmm. Yes. Yes. And, and what I hear you saying, right, Todd, it's it, it, that it's the same theme. The support is not to go to conditioned mind. And if yeah. I am coming from conditioned mind, it's not only telling me this is the this is this is this is the perspective that you're limited by. So mm-hmm. so become aware of your limitations. But it's yeah. also if I'm not looking from that perspective, here's another place to look. And in mm-hmm. looking there there is an expansion of awareness that allows me to see a possibility that would never have occurred to me within the limitation. So once again, we get, the, we get experientially the teaching of what an expanded awareness response might be, mm-hmm. which I may not be there yet, because right. I'm particularly identified in, in, a, in a specific, I mean, my identification is very specific. So yeah. we get trained to uh, calibrate to expanded awareness by the guide's responses, right? Because yeah. I'm told where to look, I'm told, and in being told what to look at, yeah. the awareness expands. So it's both the how and the what. Yes. Oh, I hadn't seen it particularly like that. But you're right. It is the how and the what, mm-hmm. which, which, yeah, there seem to be really uh, fundamental pieces of that, of that exploration is the how and the what. Mm-hmm. Yes. And it also trains us in the process you're talking about, right, Todd? Because most of the time, if I'm, if I'm identified and I'm offered something, uh-huh. it's like it doesn't resonate for me. It threatens yeah. me. It yeah. pushes me off. <laughs> oh, <laughs> oh, so many times. Oh, my gosh. The initial response. Oh, my gosh. But I love to see ego's, yeah, ego's knee-jerk reaction to reading the response is like, wow. Yeah. Was that ever, you know, visceral? That was incredibly intense. But I got to see it because now I'm looking at ego, not through ego. That's exactly right. But you're training yourself to do that, right? right. Because that's what you're training. That taking advantage of uh, of every practice opportunity, that outrageous support you're talking about, <laughs> results yeah. in the training to mm-hmm. be receptive to the expanded awareness offering you something, yeah. inviting you to look, because we can yeah. have the other experience. And even yeah. then, when we do, we are training assists us to go, wait a second, like Allah, the first caller, that must be the conditioning. Yeah. I see it. I know what it is. Now let me redirect my attention to the expanded awareness, where I might not have the guide's perspective, but I am, I am receptive to it. Yes, Exactly. Exactly. I'm receptive to it. Yeah, just as I'm receptive to participating in all the outrageous support that's offered. That's right, which, which I project took you, I mean, we've had this conversation, right? I don't, want to, I don't feel like it. It's something you battle all the time, and you've gone oh. to the state of, okay, that's oh. just what, what is going to happen. I'm just going to participate. Yeah. Right? There oh, it is my again. Gosh. That is my most primary karma. I don't want to I don't feel like it. And every time it comes up and I just push through it and go, I'm scheduling it putting it on the calendar, yeah. setting my alarms, I'm going to show up for the calls, I'm going to show up for the practice, I'm going to show up for the workshop, I'm going to show up for the RLB, whatever it is. You're right. So thank you for that. <laughs> yeah. 
Yeah. You know, the teacher appears when the student is willing. <laughs> yeah. But, you know, Sherry has often said, and in early practice, I, I, I just, it was a huge qualm for me, that we do, by, by keep, keep showing up and not quitting, we do wear away karma and we wear away ego's ability to control us, and that is my experience. But in early practice, yeah. I was like, there's just no way. It's just too powerful. It's too strong. Mm-hmm. But, boy, I tell you, if you don't quit and you stick with it, 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 you do wear it down. You wear it out. Yeah, it does. It does wear away, absolutely. And that's it why does. you want to trust the practice. Right, right? Yeah. Something trusts yeah. the practice that keeps faith even when the experience is not what is being shown to you as what is possible. Exactly, exactly. Well, great. Yeah. Well, I see we're at time, so deep uh, show and gratitude. And thank you, Ashwini, and thank you, Bob. Thank you. Thanks, Bob. Thank you. Good night. Good night. Thanks, Todd and Ashwini. There was so much in that conversation, and you know the thing that you guys, you two were talking about at the end about willingness and faith. You know, because it just says so much about the people who are willing, like Todd, to kind of show up to practice, especially in the beginning when like the willingness and faith really is a it's a bit of a, a leap of faith, right? Because we don't really know; we don't have an experience <laughs> yeah. with the practice, but. There's just this sense, and it's often because of whoever, you know, whether it's the guide or whoever is facilitating, that it's like, well, it seems like this person has, has kind of sorted something out, and so why don't I just try this and see how it goes? Mm-hmm. And then to be willing over the years to, to stick with it, and then to get to that place mm-hmm. that Todd was talking about, it's like, okay, well, I know that place. I know that if I just keep showing up, I just keep doing that next practice, if I show up to the radio show, if I make that recording, I know that that actually is going to, going to bring me back to that place that we were talking about earlier in the call about joy and happiness that's just inherent in us. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, I remember Sherry talking about, you know, getting D.T. Suzuki's book and going, well, I don't know, I don't know, I don't get what he's talking about, but I know he gets it. And that is what keeps us coming, right? Because at some level, I don't get it, but what gets it keeps me coming back. And you're right, that perseverance, that willingness, that, uh, that, uh, that participation makes all the difference. Yeah, yeah, participation, practice, willingness, it's all part of the same thing, seems. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Well, I, I want to end with that, with, with what has always worked for me. Willingness is what's there when I don't want to. <laughs> willingness is there when I don't want to. I love that. What's that when I don't want to, right? That's what that's the definition of willingness. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That's great. All right, and that brings us to the end of this week's open air, Ashwini. And we'll talk to more people next week. Go happy. Thank you, Bob, for thank you, Bob, for hosting as always. And right. uh, Michael will be back next week. All right. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you everybody. Go happy.